You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestoakville.ca. Just before we get into uh, the Word of God uh, today, I just have uh, two quick announcements that I want to, uh, to make to you. Um, this weekend, the video of this message will be shown in this Sunday uh, morning services. And the reason for that is, is that um, I'm required to be in attendance at Harvest Brampton this weekend for a very special and important service um, in Harvest Brampton pertaining to Senior Pastor Ted Duncan. And the reason I want to say that right now is that uh, from time to time, a parent is certainly required to give special attention and consideration to uh, one of their children, to strengthen them, to encourage them, and to be there for them. So we're no different. We're a church that have planted, by God's grace, again, many daughter churches. And so this is one of these weekends where um, I'm required to be there uh, for one of our child churches to, again, provide for them hope and some love as well. I'm really excited uh, to do that. Now, the reason I'm making that announcement to you right now, and just to communicate this, is I want you to know my deep, deep desire. In fact, it's amazing how much I desire to be here with you in all these services on um, this weekend. This is the place I want to be, but I also want, just want to communicate from time to time this will be necessary to do such things, and I just really, really appreciate, and the elders do too, and this has been all, of course, approved by them. We're thankful for your grace and understanding the need for a parent to hang out again with their children from time to time. So what this means is that showing video this weekend in the Sunday morning services allows us to continue within our series in Proverbs without disruption. It allows for momentum to continue, an exciting time for us in our church. It allows me specifically to be present and preach in Brampton as an encouragement to them And it allows the 80% of you who watch the screens during the sermon anyway to not even notice that I'm even away, all right? (laughs) So all I'm saying is that is thank you for your grace so much and your heart for the kingdom. I love you all for that. It is not ideal, but from time to time we feel it is the best stewardship of what we have right now and where we are to be. The second announcement I want to make, and Craig already did it, but it's that important. I want to say it again. The All Churches Prayer Meeting this Wednesday, that's a huge, huge deal. So we have talked about this in the past. i got to say it again, 7.15 this Wednesday. Please make every effort to believe in prayer. Just as I'm sitting in the service right now, I'm just, if we don't pray, we're done. We're done. This is a spiritual battle we're in. Satan is so afraid of what's happening within this church, and we must get together to pray and call out to him. That's this Wednesday, to be with all these other churches that we love. What an opportunity. So I'm hoping that it will be your highest priority this week and that you will willingly do the battle as you seek to get here for Wednesday evening. All right, so that's this Wednesday. Excited for that to happen. All right, find a Bible and open it to the book of Proverbs. Here we are in our second week in our series in Proverbs. The series title is The Worth of Wisdom. The Worth of Wisdom. Um, The bottom line for this series is really this, is when we hold on to wisdom... We are holding on to something that is more valuable than gold. This is what God is saying to us. This is what we are being challenged to receive and learn. When we hold loved ones, when we hold on to biblical wisdom, we are holding on to something the Bible says is actually more profitable than gold. So therefore, that being true, this series in Proverbs is a treasure hunt. 
Whenever we open up God's word, we are on a hunt for true and eternal treasure. Now, this is not an earthly treasure hunt. We spend so much time focusing on earthly treasures, which moth and rust will destroy, which have no eternal meaning, which are temporary in nature. This is not an earthly treasure hunt. This is a spiritual treasure hunt. This is a treasure hunt of that which can only be received from God. So whenever you're on a treasure hunt, what are you looking for often? You're looking for a treasure chest. And so I have this week found a treasure chest to highlight our treasure hunt. And I'm going to ask you, Pastor Craig, would you just come up and help me out here for a second? Because I just want to reinforce the point. You hold it out for the people. So the treasure chest is what we're going for in biblical wisdom. And I can't give you a, a spiritual representation of wisdom right now in the treasure chest. So... This is going to have to be good enough right now. But this treasure chest is really representing Proverbs 4, verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. So the treasure chest represents wisdom. When I'm wise, I want the treasure. I don't want money in this case. I want spiritual treasure. But what the Bible tells us tonight as well, the fear of the Lord, Proverbs 9, 10, Proverbs 7, 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. The treasure chest represents wisdom, but inside it now represents the treasure that we are seeking. Look at this. It's gold. Isn't that amazing? And, and isn't it great? I know. I know. It's great. It's great. Now, now remember, remember, spiritually speaking, when you seek the treasure chest of wisdom, you're desiring to find wisdom, the treasures of wisdom in it. The Bible tells us tonight, again, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So therefore, we have a, a gold brick. It's worth a lot. You probably can't read it, but it says fear of the Lord. It says fear of the Lord. And that's what we're going for tonight. The wise person loves wisdom. You start with going for the treasure, and then within that, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord within the treasure box of wisdom. This is what we're seeking to do. And when you do that, you find yourself getting very wealthy in the eyes of God because this is what he wants to provide for you. Craig, thanks so much. You can put that down. So who wants, some, who wants some gold tonight? Here you go. Hey, want, want some wisdom? There you go. There you go. That's great. There you go. Now don't tell anyone Harvest Oil feels paying people to come to church, all right? Because <laughs> we're not doing that. But we are, we are presenting what God is presenting, a wisdom that is worth more than any gold than we could ever have upon this earth. That's a big deal. And again, the wisdom we seek now in the treasure box of wisdom is the fear of of the Lord and what a treasure this is. So listen, last week we identified the treasure of wisdom and now what we're seeking to do is to accumulate this treasure of wisdom now in our lives. We identified that true worth is wisdom and now we're saying, how do I accumulate this wisdom in my life? We start here, the fear of the Lord. You must start with the fear of the Lord. Now, when I bring up the subject of the fear of the Lord, some of us may not be convinced as to why this subject is so vital within our lives. But listen to what John Murray says as to the role of the fear of God or the fear of the Lord in our lives. It's on the screen for us here. Here's what John Murray says. He says this, the highest, this is so important, you gotta hear this, the highest reaches of sanctification, that's just a big word for growing more like Jesus Christ, being transformed in Jesus Christ. The highest reaches of sanctification are realized only in the fear of God. The highest growth that we desire to see in Jesus Christ will only be realized in the fear of God. In other words, if we remove the fear of the Lord from our lives, we have removed the chance of growing most like Jesus Christ in this life that we live. That's a big deal. 
And I wholeheartedly agree with John Murray's statement in this this regard as well. No fear of the Lord, no wisdom, no true opportunity for the transformation that God seeks to have within us. But one of the big issues in our day is that few have a proper understanding of what the fear of the Lord actually is. It's a subject in this time, in this generation, in this culture that has all but lost its importance. But just as bad, the fear of the Lord has lost its meaning in our day. So before we go any further, I want to get a strong definition that we can all see together as to what the fear of the Lord is. And as we walk forward in this message, this is the definition that we will take with us then. Again, I want to rely on John Murray. He said this so well. Here's the definition that he had down for the fear of the Lord or the fear of God. He says this, the fear of God in which godliness consists. Now notice that right there. Godliness is dependent upon the fear of God. There is no true godliness apart from the fear of the Lord. And conversely, the fear of the Lord is dependent upon godliness. The one produces the other. They're like hand in hand. The fear of God in which godliness consists is the fear which constrains, he means compels or powerfully produces. The fear of God powerfully produces in us adoration and love for God. This is why the fear of the Lord is so utterly essential in our lives. To truly adore God, to truly love God, there must be a fear of God within us. It is the fear, he says, which consists in awe, reverence, honor, and worship. The fear of the Lord is seen in our lives as we are filled with awe, reverence, honor, and worship to our God, and all of these on the highest level of exercise. Again, we can't grow in Jesus Christ fully without the fear of God within our lives. He finishes with this. It is the reflex in our consciousness of the transcendent majesty and holiness of God. That's a complicated way of saying this. When you see how awesome God is, everything in your heart changes. And you call out to him and you love him. The reflex of our consciousness as we see how awesome God is, is the fear of the Lord. Because that's all the the only right approach to this. As we understand he is God, he is transcendent, He he is far above us, and yet he loves us. He is holy, he is awesome, yet he has sent his son to die for us. It it fills us with a fear of him which is so beautiful and so needed within our day. So the fear of the Lord could be fined really in two words, this. It is reverential awe. It is reverential awe. Think of um, a couple examples um, in the New Testament. Think of um, Acts chapter 5 and Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira, they lied to the Holy Spirit. They said they sold land for this much. They lied, they sold it for the other amount. They find out they dropped dead. um, And it says, and great fear came upon the whole church. What kind of fear? A holy fear reverential, awe-filled fear and wonder of how holy God is, how serious he is, and how awesome he is, and the whole church changes because of it. You think of Peter in the boat with Jesus Christ, and the fish come walloping up onto the boat, and in that moment, whatever happens as Peter sees all this fish, what he sees is the holiness of the Savior, of the Son of God that is before him. He falls to his knees. He says, apart from me, I'm a sinful man. In that moment, he is filled with a fear of the Lord, recognizing Jesus isn't just man. He is God beside him, and all he can do is fall flat in his face saying, I am not worthy, because he is filled with a massive reverential awe and honor for the 
the Son of God, the Holy One, who is literally beside him in this boat. That is amazing. So understand this as we seek to define in our own hearts the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord comes with really two things. It comes with immense awe, respect, and wonder, but is always associated with this as well, immense love, adoration, and wholehearted worship. So loved ones, what, what, what God's trying to say to us right now, listen to this, there is no true wisdom apart from the fear of the Lord to put us in a place of honor and love in the way that our God deserves and the way that we should be living within our lives. So that's the bottom line for today. Our relationship with God determines our relationship with everything else, including wisdom, which the beginning of is in the fear of the Lord. So if you and I have any sense of wisdom within our lives right now, we will care very deeply about the fear of the Lord in our lives. And in fact, wisdom right now, wisdom says, you're right, you're right. The fear of the Lord, it is right. Teach me, teach me. Wisdom says, teach me. Foolishness says, what's for lunch? Foolishness isn't even even thinking about this stuff because it can't understand the importance and the blessing that the fear of the Lord brings. So we say right now, if the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, we need the fear of the Lord, and we need to be men and women who seek to be wise. So Father, I pray that right now. I pray that right now. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, please make us wise. Make us wise. Oh, how we need you. Lord, I'm just thinking about this subject all week, fear of the Lord, and I realize in my own life where it is not. And in our church, Lord, or in this land, how casually we approach you. At times you become a vending machine to us, Lord, and just all we do is give me, give me, give me. And Lord, how we fail so quickly to honor you and to declare how holy and awesome you are and to recognize you are the one who created all things. And, and instead we hold out our hands and just selfishly asking you for more whatever. Forgive us, Lord, for that. Forgive me, God. Father, forgive me. Forgive me and my selfish pursuits. But I... At the same time, I know, Lord, as much as I don't add up in this moment, I know you love me, and I know you love us, and that's why you give us messages like this, to call us again to the highest levels of sanctification, which can only be found and realized in the fear of God. So thank you, Lord. Again, you do not leave us. You speak to us again. And would you do that now, Lord, through your amazing word and this amazing book of Proverbs, Lord, we want to be spiritually rich people, and that will be found in wisdom, and that will be found in the fear of God. May it be so right now, this day in this church. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Here's the question that we're seeking to answer today then from the book of Proverbs. Why is the fear of the Lord so vital in my life beyond what we have already said? But let's just be crystal clear. We have five answers as to why the fear of the Lord is so vital in our lives. Answer number one is this, because wisdom begins here. We have just this a little bit, but let's dig into it deep now. Wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. Now, we're going to turn to a lot of pages in our Bible today, all right? So get your fingers all warmed up, all right? And I want you all to go there to see what God has to say, not what I have to say, what God has to say about this critical subject of the fear of the Lord. Turn with me first to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Proverbs 1, verse 7 says, the fear of the Lord, Proverbs 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning 
of knowledge. Now keep a finger in Proverbs 1, but also turn to Proverbs 9, verse 10. Proverbs 9, verse 10. And just hold a page in Proverbs 1. Hear all the pages turning? That's so beautiful. So beautiful. Love it, love it, love it. Proverbs 9, verse 10. Listen to this. The fear of the Lord, chapter 9, verse 10. You're almost all there. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Now, it's so important, as we read Proverbs 1-7 and Proverbs 9-10, these verses are the motto of the book of Proverbs. If Proverbs has one message really to get across, it's this message that the beginning of wisdom is found in the fear of the Lord. These verses really mean to Proverbs the foundational truth of what's being communicated to us. This theme occurs 20 times throughout Proverbs. And so we read here that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of both knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge and wisdom. Now these two words are not the same, but they do have a close relationship. You can kind of explain it this way. Wisdom can be seen as the best application or use of the knowledge I have. Let me say that again. Wisdom can be seen as the best application of the knowledge that I have or that I possess. Another definition for wisdom is, wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. Wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. But most importantly, what the Bible says to us right now, there is no true wisdom, there is no true knowledge apart from the fear of the Lord. I need you to get that. If you want to be a wise woman, you want to be a wise man, you will not receive that apart from the fear of the Lord. Now, see, people think they have knowledge, and many people think they have wisdom, but what Proverbs 1, Proverbs 9 tell us right now, without the fear of the Lord, what they are really doing is they are despising true wisdom and despising true instruction, even though they might have mounds of information in their mind. Because Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, fools despise wisdom and instruction. There's a contrast there again. So then, it's the fear of the Lord that becomes the difference between true wisdom and true foolishness. The fear of the Lord is the difference, loved ones, in our lives. The person who truly knows, truly understands, truly is wise, and the person who is living out in foolishness. That's why you can have scientists who look into the deepest recesses of space and are really at their fingertips, have a level of information that very few people in all of history have ever had, yet they lack the wisdom and the knowledge to see that God is the creator of the universe, and so they apply it to chance. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Or the doctor, the doctor, the surgeon who's surrounded by the miraculous, awe-inspiring nature of the human body and its complexities and incredible intricacies and beauty, but look at that day after day and just, again, apply it to chance. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Or people in general who are so busy entertaining themselves in this world, they are never stopping long enough to look around and to see that creation shouts creator and that design shouts designer. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of true wisdom. You see, biblical wisdom, true wisdom does this. As one commentator said, always 
factors God into the equation. True wisdom always factors God into the equation. And this wisdom then is applied in settings of every kind within our lives. Think about it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The doctor who fears the Lord will not perform abortions. Why? Well, no matter what, they will not do that because they fear the Lord. There's something so much greater than being asked to do something here on this earth. It's a God who is watching. The business person will not cheat in business, will not conduct shady business deals, will not cheat the government, will not cut corners. Why? Because God is watching. Because they hold the fear of the Lord. It doesn't matter if humans see. It's the reality that they are serving ultimately the Lord who sees all. That's wisdom. The husband or wife who fears the Lord will not be unfaithful to their spouse because they fear the Lord. Because they don't want to be unfaithful to their God. The young man or woman or the man or woman, period, will not engage in premarital sex. Why? Because they fear the Lord. And it gives them wisdom to understand, to apply the knowledge they have into the situations that they are in. The pastor who fears the Lord will tremble at the prospect of preaching his word because it's his word and will conduct himself so carefully in this life, watching his soul and his own salvation with fear and trembling because of the responsibilities in place within him and what God has entrusted to him because ultimately he fears the Lord. And the fear of the Lord then brings immense wisdom and a seriousness and an honor and a fear and trepidation in a good way, just like in Acts 5, again, Ananias and Sapphira. That fear is awesome. It is right. And also produces adoration and love in a way that we could not know otherwise. You see, wisdom has also been defined as, as this. I love these pithy little sayings here. Wisdom is seeing all of life from God's point of view. Biblical wisdom is seeing all of life from God's point of view. And that's our goal right now. But, 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 but notice the consequences. If you remove the fear of the Lord, then you remove wisdom. And if you remove wisdom, then you remove God's point of view. If you remove God's point of view, you're done. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we wonder why the church in our nation is so weak. This is, this is fundamentally, in my opinion, the answer right here. The answer right here. You remove the fear of the Lord and you remove wisdom. You remove wisdom and it's only a matter of time before the church roof caves in. Because you removed the Lord speaking through that church. Just this week I heard of a, an event in Toronto. It was a, a tragic event of a house that three workers were in it and the house just out of nowhere and seemingly without any warning, just, it, it just collapsed. The house just collapsed, and I think one life was lost. That's a, that's a tragic event. It is, it is a powerful metaphor for the churches in our nation that at one time have started off in this robust desire for the gospel and grace and truth. But when you start removing the fear of the Lord from your midst, you start removing God's wisdom, and you remove God's wisdom, it's only a matter of time before that church and that denomination could entirely cave in. Now, you might have a physical structure on the street that is still there, but spiritually, the structure has caved in a long time ago. That's the consequence of seeing the fear of the Lord depart from our midst. It's a big deal. 
Because you remove the fear of the Lord, you remove wisdom. You remove wisdom and you begin to act as a country club of nothingness as opposed to a church that's proclaiming the holiness of God and the fear of the Lord for the furthering and advancing of the gospel. Loved ones, if we want to grow in wisdom, we must grow in the fear of the Lord. As we grow in the fear of the Lord, there's more awe, there's more wonder, there's more love for him. No wonder the fear of the Lord is so vital within our lives. It's, it's where wisdom begins. It's where wisdom begins. And here's our, our second answer. Why is the fear of the Lord so vital? Because life is found here. Because life is found here. Check out how sweet the fear of the Lord is. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 14. Let's race. Go. Proverbs chapter 14. Race the person beside you. How fun is that? Proverbs chapter 14, verse 27. Proverbs 14, verse 27. Someone just won, apparently. That's great. <laughs> Proverbs 14, verse 27 says this. You there? You there? It says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, that one may turn away from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. The fear of the Lord is a fountain. Just picture with me. A fountain of life. Have you ever seen a big, huge fountain? I have a big, gushing fountain. Again, picture one in your mind right now. I've seen a few... A few in my day, often in the midst of a pond or often in the midst of a large pool of water, often a big gushing fountain. It's beautiful to look at. It's wonderful to put your eyes upon. Often the fountains are there to keep the water from becoming stagnant. A fountain of life in verse 27 is a contrast to a stagnant pool. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life given the idea of of, of abundance so to place yourself beside a fountain, it's to, it's to get drenched, it's to get covered, it's to get soaked with water. That is so much fun in, in terms and light of this verse. The impact then of this verse is that the abundance of life that is only found through the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord then brings abundant life to the present. But most importantly, the, the fear of the Lord as a fountain of life brings life eternal to our future. The promise here, the the truth here is that for people walking in scorching, bone-dry, dusty, life-taking desert, in emptiness and frustration and misery, listen, there is a fountain of life. There is a fountain of life that is found in the fear of the Lord, but notice the, the result that it says in verse 27, that one may turn away from the snares of death. So listen also carefully to the life-giving words of our Savior Jesus Christ that fits so well with Proverbs 14, verse 27. And listen, this truth is only understood in the fear of the Lord. John 4, verse 14, I'll read it for you. Jesus says, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, listen, listen, will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And possibly you're here today to hear this, that the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life found in Jesus Christ who gives us water to drink that wells up to eternal life. I take nothing for granted that there are people here today, again, listening to this message, that you've been living life and you've been trying your way for too long. And if you're totally honest, if you're totally honest as you look at your life and you look at your way and you look at your habits and you look at your path, if you're totally honest, you would say it stinks. It just stinks. 
It isn't going the way that I thought it would. And again, if you're honest, then you know it. If you're totally honest, there's stagnancy all around you. Stagnant water is gross. Stagnant water is the world. It's gross. Listen, listen. You could be here today to hear this truth. It's time for the fountain of life. The fountain of life to cover you. The fountain of life to be offered to you in Jesus Christ by the power of his gospel that he lived and died but rose again for all who believe in him, who believe in him, will know eternal life and then will fear the Lord and they too will experience what it means to have the fountain of life upon them, allowing them to escape from the snares of death. But this is for the person who fears the Lord. I wonder individuals here today where the time has come. The time has come to bow your knee. The time has come to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. The time has come to understand life is to be lived. But life is only found in the truth of the fear of the Lord. And that's where the fountain of life is seen and known. See, this is part of the spiritual goal that the Lord is offering to us today through wisdom. The wisdom of wanting wisdom, the wisdom of knowing the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's incredible. Life is found in the fear of the Lord. Turn a couple of pages over to Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19, verse 23. Notice again what the fear of the Lord is or does. Proverbs 19, verse 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life. And whoever has it Rest satisfied. I love these truths. And notice, he will not be visited by harm. The fear of the Lord is so powerful, it leads to life. Whoever has it, rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm again. The fear of the Lord, we just have learned already, it brings life. And we hear right now, though, the fear of the Lord brings satisfaction. This world loving is longing for satisfaction. I love the word satisfied in the Bible. I love it, I love it, I love it, especially in this context. The fear of the Lord, whoever has it, rests satisfied. We are so impatient, we are so longing, we are so wanting to be fulfilled. Our world is screaming out for this. God is promising it is found in the fear of the Lord. Whoever has the fear of the Lord rests satisfied. And notice this too, they will not be visited by harm. So the fear of the Lord brings life. The fear of the Lord brings satisfaction. The fear of the Lord brings security. Whoever knows the fear of the Lord, he will not be visited by harm. So the fear of the Lord sends human fear running. Godly fear brings the mercy and grace of God so close. Listen, when you have the mercy and grace of God so close, it builds a wall that human fear cannot penetrate. Think of the examples in Scripture of how the fear of the Lord allows people to overcome the greatest moments where they should hide in terror. Think of David and Goliath. This young little shepherd boy when the rest of Israel was just too scared. He says, I'll do it. What do you mean? You're just a shepherd boy. Give me a break. And he's like, I'll do it. Give me my five smooth stones, give me my sling, and I'll go and I will conquer this giant. Why? Because, this, and you know the words that he said in Scripture, because his eyes were so fixed upon the awesome nature of his God, and he feared him so greatly that the fear of the Lord conquered any fear he had on this earth. That's what the fear of the Lord does. He will not be visited by harm. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. About to be thrown into the fiery furnace, they say our God, will, our God can save us, but even if he does not, what is that? That's a tremendous fear of the Lord. Think of Daniel in the lion's den, his trust. He's fearing God and he's not afraid. He trusts him. He trusts him with his life. 
Think of Peter before the council of the high priest, his life being threatened, and he says, in the fear of the Lord, we must obey God, not man. The fear of the Lord does that. Charles Bridges said, we normally dread fear, but if you fear the Lord, listen to this, this is so great, that touch turns fear to gold. And that's what's being offered again here. The fear of the Lord touches what we normally would find fearful. It turns it into gold. Think of the martyrs burning at the stake and at the same time calling praises out to God and even prayers for the people that are killing them. What is that? That is the fear of the Lord. That is the fear of the Lord causing them to rise above what human would consider to be impossible. But the fear of the Lord sees that we belong to a God of the impossible. Love ones, the fear of the Lord, it's beginning of wisdom, it's where life is found. And why is it so vital in our lives? Answer number three is this, because blessing is guaranteed here. Blessing is guaranteed in the fear of the Lord. Turn back now, Proverbs 15, verse 16. Proverbs 15, verse 16. This is such a great verse too. Proverbs 15, verse 16. Notice, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Do you believe that? Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Verse 17, better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. I love this verse so much. So short, it's so packed with life-changing truth. The principle here is this. True blessing and true treasure are found in the fear of the Lord. In verse 17, we read herbs being contrasted with a fattened ox. Now in Solomon's day, a fattened ox or a fattened calf would be referring to a very, very wealthy family. So what Solomon is saying here, it's better to be poor and have the fear of the Lord than to be rich and not fear the Lord. It's better to have nothing but to have love in your family as a result from the fear of the Lord than to have a ton of wealth and have hatred that go with it. How many people have so much money but have no love? How many people have so much money but have no satisfaction? How many people have so many possessions but take their lives? How many people have it all but have nothing? It's proven right here in this verse. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Loved ones, wisdom's calling out right now. Do you hear her voice? Wisdom is calling out again right now. Wisdom is saying this, money doesn't work. More possessions don't work. Listen, steak dinners don't work. Wisdom says this, God works. God works. His way works. His glory works. His satisfaction works. The fear of the Lord works. This again is the spiritual goal that God is offering to you right now by the way of wisdom found in the path of the fear of God. If you take this wisdom and you cash it in your spiritual bank, you will find life, you will find blessing, you will find satisfaction, you will find the Lord working through your life in amazing ways. This is why I love humble beginnings. I love humble beginnings because it's so healthy. It's so helpful. Jill and I, in our, our opinion, we had some humble beginnings when we first got married. And it was a blessing as much as we were scratching by just to get by and, and living in Canadian terms, living right near the poverty line and, and seemingly had so I know we had so much, but seemingly had so middle and trying to make things. But I'm so thankful for that time in our lives. 
Because God taught me lessons in the midst of the humble beginnings I've never, ever forgotten. Mainly that joy and satisfaction will not come with acquired stuff. Joy and satisfaction is found in him. When you can stand in the midst of a tiny little place and having tiny little stuff and not having anything to bolster, but you are overwhelmed at the goodness and the grace and the love and the blessing and the majesty of your God, and you have that inside you, and you can say all that matters is him, that's a power that is a result of fearing the Lord. And when he gives that to us, we say, Lord, you are the answer, and you are the one. And this is why humble beginnings are often so, so powerful. Never forget them, loved ones. Never forget them. God wants to use that in us. You know, and being here for 10 years now as a pastor too, I've had many opportunities to watch saints pass from this life to the next. And many times it's in a hospital room. Uh, It could be in a separate kind of care facility or even in someone's home at times. And there you are and you are watching these dear saints who have trusted God and who are filled with the fear of the Lord as the wisdom fills their lives. And you're sitting beside there and listen, I had the privilege of watching family around them and friends around them and to see in that room. Because right now, right now, right now, in that moment, eternity is coming and all that matters now is what all that matters Those are awesome situations, and I just get to watch most of the time. And to see the joy, to see the perspective, to see the love, to hear the singing. And I'm telling you, by far, most of these saints in the world standards had nothing. Or at least they had so little. But in that moment, what I saw, as they are loved to the end, and they pass from this life into the next, I guarantee you the wealthiest people on earth would pay anything to go from this life and receive that kind of love and that kind of context with that kind of truth. It is absolutely beautiful. And that's a result of the blessing that God brings. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. There's nothing, there's nothing that replaces what he brings. So love, once again, wisdom's calling out right now. Wisdom's calling. You're still alive. You're still alive. You've still got time. Wisdom calls out again. And when you're lying on the hospital bed and you're there in the final moments of your life, let me ask you, where does your value lie? In that moment, what are you really trusting in? Think about that, loved ones. Think about that. You don't have to wait to that moment to be changed by it. Think about that and let it change you. Let it change you. Where does value really lie? Because in that moment, you don't care about the things that we so often care about now. That's where the blessing of life will be found. The honor of life will be found. The riches of life will truly be found in that moment for those who aspire to see their lives filled with wisdom and the fear of God. That's why Proverbs 22, I'll read it for you. Proverbs 22, verse four says, the reward, listen, for humility and fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. I'll say it again. The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. Now, what does that ultimately mean? Ultimately, for the believer in Jesus Christ, there are no greater riches than the inheritance that is found in Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, that's all the riches you could ever want. This is the power and the beauty of the gospel. The riches that you and I will receive as genuine believers of Jesus Christ are absolutely wonderful and absolutely awesome. This is what we know. This is why we live. This is what the fear of the Lord brings. God's trying to tell us that in the fear of the Lord, blessing is guaranteed. 
Why is the fear of the Lord so vital? Many reasons. Here's the fourth reason. Here's answer number four. Because with the fear of the Lord, listen, evil is shunned here. With the fear of the Lord, evil is shunned. Turn to Proverbs 8, verse 13. Go, go, go. Proverbs 8, verse 13. Make sure your neighbor's turning there too. Don't want to miss out. Proverbs 8, verse 13. Notice this. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Now here's what I love. You know when the fear of the Lord is growing in you. How and when? When increasingly you are hating evil. Especially within your own life. You know you are growing in the fear of the Lord when increasingly you are hating evil that tries to ruin your life. The fear of the Lord and the ways of evil, they're never on the same team. They're never roommates. They never, ever get along. They absolutely despise one another. And notice what wisdom says here. Wisdom says, I hate pride. I hate arrogance. I hate perverted speech. I hate evil. I hate evil because it takes me away from the path of God. And the fear of the Lord, the more we see the Lord and love the Lord, then the more we hate evil. Romans 12, it says, love what is good, abhor what is evil. This is what happens. John Calvin said this, it's quoted on the screen, this is really, really good. John Calvin said this, he says, all wickedness flows from a disregard of God. Think about that. All wisdom flows from a disregard of God. Since the fear of God is the bridle by which our wickedness is held in check, that's how powerful the fear of God is, it's removal then, if you remove the fear of God from our lives, it frees us to indulge in every kind of immoral conduct. If we remove the fear of the Lord from our lives, then it's like all hell breaks loose. And this is why the fear of the Lord becomes so important. You take away the fear of the Lord, you take away wisdom, you have a very, very bad plan upon your hands. See, we're building up evidence here, mountains of evidence is why to the fear of the Lord is so vital within my life. Let me just read this one for you. Proverbs 24, verse 21. It says this, My son, fear the Lord, fear the Lord and the king, and do not join with those who do otherwise. Fear the Lord, fear the king. Don't hang out with people who are full of evil, who do not fear the Lord. Let me ask you a question. What evil in your life do you need to have a greater hatred for right now? I was shocked again this week, and I shouldn't be, but I had an article come across my desk, and it was a study of, it was called The Pornification of the Church. And it was giving stats about how many men and women are engaged in pornography across North America, and it broke my heart to read that Um, 55% of Christian men are looking at pornography on some form monthly. 55% of Christian men are viewing some form of pornography monthly. That means that 55% of the men in this room are engaging in some form of pornographic behavior on at least a monthly basis. That's shocking. 
terrifying to me. But it gets worse. One third, this is just all men now, secular men. One third of all men under 30 are engaging in pornographic behavior daily. Daily. One third of all men under 30 are doing this on a daily basis. 18% are addicted fully. 18% of all men. In the U.S., that's 20 million men addicted to pornography. It breaks my heart. You hear me. The fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. And you're here right now, and if, if you don't have the fear of the Lord, you don't, you don't hate it. You know how good it feels to look at something that used to entice you and then to feel hatred for it because you recognize the wickedness and the filth and the disgusting nature it is as it tries to kill you and your life and your wife and your family and your church. It feels so good to be filled with hatred for that which is out of the pit of hell. And that's what the fear of the Lord does. You know, every day becomes the battle. And that's why we're here again. That's why God gives us this message right now again. Because last year wasn't good enough. And last month wasn't good enough. And yesterday wasn't good enough. you got to hear it today again, as do I. The fear of the Lord shuns evil. And the more you and I repent and are resolved and rejoice in the grace of God. No, hear this. Some of you are filled with tremendous conviction right now. But you hear the grace of God is available to you. You hear the forgiveness of God is available to you. But listen, but you, you, men, you have to come to the place where you're sick of you. You can't just keep going along the same pattern, sin, confess, sin, confess. At some point, you've got to say, enough is enough. The fear of the Lord is more important in my life. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to find help. I'm going to seek God like crazy. I'm going to confess. I'm going to turn. I'm going to walk in the ways, whatever it takes. Life is too short. I mean, just think. Just, just, just think of all the Christian men who will stand before the Lord on the day of judgment. And what will they offer to him? An habitual... I don't want to go there. Just, it's just... It's just but the opportunity to change is here, and grace is here. Grace is here. Let me ask you again, what evil in your life do you need to have a greater hatred for? Pride, arrogance, love of money, vanity, gossip, disunity, bitterness, perverted speech, self-pity, Envy, idolatry, laziness, anxiety, bitterness, self-pity, self Lord, give us a hatred for evil. That we might fear you, God. That we might fear you. See, when you were asking, Lord, for a hatred of evil, listen, you were asking God for a greater fear of him. That's what happens. It just... It, 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 it just happens. And again, remember, 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 if we don't fear the Lord and then we're engaged in all these sinful behaviors, we are, we are just we are taking a shotgun to wisdom. We're, we're just blowing apart God's wisdom in our lives. Again, it's why some of us are like, man, why do I feel so dumb? Because we are. Because we don't fear the Lord, we don't have God's wisdom, we make really, really bad decisions. 
And again, that could explain a lot. But when we fear the Lord, wisdom begins. A hatred for evil and blessing comes. Blessing comes. And I got to end here on this the heaviness of some of the things we're talking about. I want to, why is the fear of the Lord so vital in my life? Answer number five, because hope is strengthened here. Because in the fear of the Lord, I see hope. I see hope, and we need hope. Look at Proverbs 23, last text. Proverbs 23, verse 17. Proverbs 23, verse 17. Let not your heart envy sinners. 23, verse 17. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue, but continue, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Notice here, loved ones, the fear of the Lord is not weakened by sinful envy. Not weakened by, notice, the envy of sinners at that. I mean, that's a waste of time, envying sinners. Don't do that, don't do that. But rather, fear of the Lord is strengthened by the hope of our future. Notice the fear of the Lord is to see him. The fear of the Lord is to see your future. When you see him, you see your future, and you see your future, and you see your hope. And notice in verse 18, it's a hope that will not be cut off. The fear of the Lord sees a future and a hope that will not be cut off. And this is such a word for this church today. Because the hope that comes from the fear of the Lord is greater than our disappointment. It's stronger than our sin. It's a hope that's not held back by storm clouds. It's a hope that's not diminished by human weakness. It's a hope that does not fade his circumstances. It's a hope that is not altered by our past. Listen to the text. There's a future. There's a future. When you fear the Lord, you see the future. This church has a future. You have a future. I have a future, a glorious future in the Lord. And the more we fear the Lord, the more we see this future, the more we are strengthened with hope and the grace that is found in Jesus Christ. The more we fear the Lord, the more we find our hope and the more our future then shines for Jesus Christ. Notice, loved ones, continue in the fear of the Lord. That's it right there. Continue. Don't give up. Continue, my son, the author says, in the fear of the Lord, and you will be strengthened in hope. The fear of the Lord, it's so vital. It's the beginning of wisdom, the fountain of life, the guarantee of blessing. It turns us from evil. It strengthens our hope. If that's what the fear of the Lord is, then God signed this church up for that. Sign us up for the fear of the Lord. What do we do? We repent. We resolve and we rejoice in grace. We repent of our sin. We resolve for the fear of the Lord, but we rejoice in grace. That is available to us again as we're about to, we're about to live out now in the Lord's Supper. Let me pray for us. Let me pray for us. Father, even maybe right now, we just say, would you forgive us, Lord? Forgive us, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. I'll just, I'll just speak for myself and the your people can speak for themselves, Lord, but forgive me, Lord, for often casually approaching you and being so concerned with me and forgetting, Lord, to revere you the way that you deserve to be revered. But again, Lord, as I started off praying in this message, I'm so thankful that you love me and you love your children and grace is available again today. So I'm not discouraged, Lord. I have conviction, but I'm not discouraged. 
I'm encouraged, Lord, that you are calling me and spurring me on again in a path of wisdom, a path of, of, of righteousness, a path of love, a path of grace, a path of power, a path of blessing, a path that is found in the fear of the Lord. God, I pray that our church would be known for such. It's you that has to do this in us, Lord. So may it be so, Lord. I pray men and women are changed today in the pursuit of the fear of God. In the name of Jesus, amen.